All right, RPG fans, we are back with a uh, another little bit of news right before we get in there because, well, we're more or less caught up now, so let's get into it with the features department first. We just had dropped a lovely new feature from Mike Solosi. Uh, snacks are better when they fall, the best vending machines in RPGs, and if you haven't already read this article, I definitely recommend it. It's, it's a hoot. Uh, not just because of just how ridiculous the subject matter seems, but the fact that there's just enough to talk about when it comes to vending machines and RPGs. So uh, go check them out and see uh, where they're all hiding. As always, we have Tina Ola's crowdfunding chronicles. Um, there's been a few that's come out, obviously, since the site's gone running back up. So make sure you check in on those and see what uh, little bits of uh, crowdfunding classics in the making she's been covering for us. Over in the reviews department, way back when, we had the uh, wonderful Mark Chan, who covered Record of Lotus War, Deedlit in the Wonder Labyrinth for us. This, uh, I didn't even know it was a thing, but it's a really cool-looking action RPG uh, like platformer, Metroidvania, for, I guess, yeah, it's a Metroidvania, there we go, getting my terms right, um, that, uh, yeah, it just looks delightful. I, I never really uh, have gotten to experience much of Record of Lotus War, aside from just knowing about it at a cursory glance, but it looks rad, and this is just a really, really nice-looking uh, polished game that he gave editor's choice to, so go check out what uh, Mark Shan had to say about all this. Fae Tactics. I've been wanting to check that game out for ages. Oh man, that was... Um, I've been wanting to check that one out. Either way, it finally came out, and it was a, a delightful play, apparently, that Audra Bowling reviewed for us. It's uh, got a lot going for it, but also uh, some things that could work out a bit better. So here's hoping the team is uh, polishing things up a bit. Overall, it uh, seems like a pretty solid game. If you want a nice SRPG to drive into, this game looks pretty sweet. Death and Request 2 dropped not too long ago, and Des Miller played that one for us. Once again, we got a solid traditional RPG that has some really great writing, apparently. And uh, otherwise, you know, you want that cool spooky horror atmosphere, this is the JRPG for you. And with uh, October coming up, it might be worth pursuing. We've gotten some more Final Fantasy XIV thoughts from Caitlin Argyros, uh, who has continued her review journal. And uh, if you want to kind of keep following her chronicles through Shadowbringers, check this out and see what she has to say about this game that she uh, is almost deemed as perfect for expansion, I guess, on a game. But either way, it's incredible, and I'm doing everything in my power not to just uh, drop all my money into it and play it right now. <laughs> We talked about on the last episode, John O'Logan was playing the early access of Rogue Legacy 2, which is not without its flaws, but still uh, is shaping up to be a very solid experience. So if you want to get a little more in-depth with his thoughts on this uh, follow-up to the great Metroidvania that was Rogue Legacy, go check out his review on it. So Fairy Tales got a game now. That's a pretty rad anime, and I've watched as much of it as I had access to, but Isaac Parsons got into the uh, this traditional RPG representation of it from Koei Tecmo. And it's not great. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember Isaac being very optimistic about it, but unfortunately it seems he was let uh, down a little bit. So if you're a fan of fairy tale and want more fairy tale, then, you know, he might be willing to brave this. But uh, yeah, give his article a read and see if uh, you line up with it. <laughs> Neil Shandran dove into uh, the RPG maker looking market as he does with The Revenant Prince. Uh, and this one is a really neat looking traditional RPG. But um, polished as it looks like it is, uh, apparently it's lacking some. It's lacking some other departments. So uh, go give that a read to find all the ins and outs. Finally, we finish off with a lovely VN called Synergia that Audra Bowling reviewed for us, and it is a great entry 
into the oeuvre of Virgil novels. So if you want a nice uh, little cyberpunk tale, check this one out. And that's it. Uh, we have a very special episode for you to listen to, so enjoy it. Episode 197 of Random Encounter. Get in, we're listening to music. What's up, listeners? Uh, I'm going to start this podcast off uh, a little differently. Well, I just did, whatever. Because uh, we're on theme, that's what's happening. Uh, you're going to enjoy a little bit of a diversion from our usual scheduled programming here on Random Encounter. We have a super special episode for y'all with a super special guest uh, who I will get to in but a moment. But for now, as always, joining me is my co-host, Jonna Logan. Good evening. What were you doing there with the tap, tap, tap? What what was that? (laughs) I was feigning um, uh, a conductor stepping up to the, what is it called? Lectern? No. I guess, no, but a lectern different i don't know someone's gonna tell me musical things uh don't you have a degree in this i mean it's the wrong kind of music i suppose but who really ever talks to the music director let's be honest unless they have notes (laughs) yeah music theater (laughs) such a useful friggin degree (laughs) right up there with my acting degree so how would you like to take your coffee so uh yeah that was a great line reading by the way really nice clear (laughs) i appreciate it um I'm joined today, uh, we are joined today, rather, by also our fearless, lovely leader, Mike Selbato. I'm not sure I'm fearless, but I shouldn't really commit to any fears on the podcast, should I? I mean, I don't know. I'm sure we all have something we can go with. I was afraid of the dark for ages when I was a kid, and then it became a fear of being helpless. I just want to help people. I I hate feeling helpless. That was my, my biggest fear has become. I was terrified of needles to the point where I once escaped the hospital and hid under a car. I did that too. Well, not that exact <laughs> circumstance, but I was very afraid of them too. I had a terrible nurse. Um, were you of the age where when you had to get um, allergy tested, where they like stuck you with needles of all the allergens up and down your arm? Uh, yeah, I've gotten that test a number of times. Yeah, it was awful. Oh, that's terrible. And uh, my nurse was not nice. She was very like rough and just kind of like, take it. Um, and my mom remembers like, yeah, the nurse wasn't nice. And I was kind of scarred for needles for a long time. And I had to get my hand frozen when I had like, um, I got a Christmas light bulb stabbed in my hand. Fun fact for everybody. Oh. And so they had to kind of open my hand up to make sure there was nothing in it. Cause they have like a little flex of paint or glass could have gone in there. And like my mom had to like pin me to the table. Cause I was just like freaking out. Like, no, do not want needle. You have my sympathies. When did yeah. we jump ahead to the Halloween episode? <laughs> Eh, it's a random encounter. What do you expect? Uh, what are you afraid of, Mike? Anyway, we're talking about music today, right? <laughs> we are talking about music today. That's the way we are deviating today. We are going to do um, a kind of little uh, homage to the lovely Rhythm Encounter and listen to some music for y'all. And I know fans out there have been wanting this to happen. So uh, we're, we're going to give you a little taste of it because, uh, yeah, we just like you that much. Yeah, if all goes according to plan, 
if you're listening to this episode, the first you know revival episode of Rhythm Encounter should already have been posted. Um, I'm, I'm still hoping, even though we've had some issues across August with the site, uh, that's still the, what we're aiming to do. But because the show's been gone for over three years now, we thought that, you know, we could just bring the show back. But I'm sure a lot of people aren't subscribing or checking that feed anymore because, again, it's been gone for three years. So we wanted to basically market ourselves and kind of promote the revival of Rhythm Encounter on our other podcasts. So today we have a special music-based episode of Random Encounter. And somewhere around when this airs, there's also a music-based episode of Retro Encounter, but we can talk about that later. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Back when I started getting into the podcasts and stuff um, and was listening to Random and then Rhythm came on and it was wonderful. I love what uh, Stephen and Derek started and then you and Caitlin kind of picked up the reins and were doing a wonderful job with it. And it was sad to see it go. I hadn't started working at the site yet, but I always had like the distant hope of being on that podcast. And that was one of the other big reasons back in the day where I was like, oh, I want to join the site and help out and come be on the podcast. And then I joined and was part of Random and such. And but I'm not gonna lie, I had it in the back of my mind that I was gonna help you or come to you to like take over hosting that or host it with you or something. I wanted to help you revive rhythm. Until Derek was like, Okay, so bye. And then I took over a random encounter and I was like, Well, I don't have time for that now. So I'm excited that this is finally coming back and I'm excited that uh, you were able to bring it over to this show so that way I could get an opportunity. I mean it's not like It's not like we're not gonna show up on it. <laughs> exactly. But uh it's still, like, when we have the time, right? Whereas, it's random. I have to do it. So, you know, forcing me to listen to music for this podcast, I mean, <laughs> sure, but I accept. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, the way we're doing it today, we're still going to kind of um, mash the two worlds together. Generally, on Rhythm Encounter, it's always been a, a theme episode. But then when you bring it over to Random, we usually just talk about games. And so, the theme of this episode is we... Like on Random Encounter, how everyone talks about a specific game they're playing, and then we ask questions, we're talking about specific albums that we have listened to, and then we'll have a couple selections for you folks to listen to from that with us, that we will uh, nitpick and get more particular about that we feel best exemplifies those albums. So, yeah, buckle up, get your uh, best headphones on, and uh, let's listen to some music. We're going to kick it off today with uh, Mike's Choices. You chose... To go with Beer SQ, I have, uh, I think, Cafe SQ, which is great. But I've always loved, like, just the general theming they bring to these, episo uh, these episodes. The general theming they bring to these albums. And Beer SQ was dropped in 2012, and you picked it up from Pat Gann, who was kind of doing an asset liquidation, right? Yeah, it, it's a really fun album. I, I'd known about it, but it's really hard to keep up with every single arrangement and collection that Square Enix releases in terms of music because mm -hmm. there's a new one every other week. And whether we get it or not in an accessible fashion is always a thing too. I think all the SQ ones I think have been coming to North America. So, But yeah, I didn't even know this one existed, for example, until you brought it up and I was like, oh yeah, of course it is. Yeah, it's, it's good stuff. It took me eight years to get to it and listen, but now that I have it, I'm really glad I do. Well, awesome. Well, uh, yeah, well, let's talk about it. Uh, how was, like, you only just listened to it, so you've only just recently discovered, you've known about it for a while, but uh, what drew you to choosing this album today? I think mostly because it's the the era of RPGs that it represents is really important to me. Um, 
it's it's a short well the first disc is kind of short overall it's an hour and a half the the second disc is actually kind of fun it has two half hour long like live set tracks that just go between a ton of different music i didn't realize this one was a two disc one because yeah cafe one was just a one i thought most of them were just like a one uh disc one so that's cool i i think usually yeah but this one outside of the main theme of final fantasy is just that mid-ish 90s time when everything was beautiful in rpgs not that there's not great games now but you know there's a reason that people look back on that era with fondness and part of it is because of the games on here so there's we have chrono trigger we have saga frontier there's final fantasy 6 oh and final fantasy 7 so it's right there right towards the end of the super nintendo it's a great sweet spot yeah it was a great time i don't know why one of these things is not like the other just started playing in my head but hey (laughs) which one because I didn't even mention Live Alive. Live Alive is on it. <laughs> yes, it is. I love Live Alive. Keep going. Sorry. I feel like they squeaked that onto like every one of the albums in some small way. I'm okay with that. I've I've never played the game. I, I I've heard so much about it that it's good and I should play it. But you know, Square Enix is you know on a nostalgia kick of late. They probably will release it at some point. That would be great. So, not that we're talking about any of that today. We're here to talk about Beer SQ. I wish I actually knew why the album was called that, unless it's just supposed to be kind of like, you know, cafe taverny, which is true of several of the songs on here, I think. I think that's what it is, yeah. It's supposed to be like the kind of stuff you'd hear in a bar or tavern kind of vibe. You could just have a good couple drinks to, and yep. definitely your choices lend to that. But I mean, I can't speak to the overall theming of the album. Yeah. Okay, you know what? We actually do have a tavern episode rhythm plan so i'm actually going to change my songs because i want to use this on there instead oh so i'm I'm gonna go now um and you guys can do the rest of the episode okay cool that, that's cool right yeah it's completely cool we know what okay. we're doing don't we greg so music is great right let's listen to music yeah 76 trombones <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but uh in all seriousness please stay yes okay all right i'll stay good because we like you um so yeah beer is cute so yeah does the rest of the album it most of it is all kind of taverny feels that folky vibe which by the way folks spoiler alert a lot of this episode is very folky uh, through no uh you know uh fault of our own uh some of it is it, it's taverny and especially those tracks on disc two it's more of kind of a party feel which is probably why they're set up that way because i don't know actually exactly how many songs each of those like covers and blends together but it's a lot of fun so if you just want some background music and from this album like those are the tracks to listen to because you can just put them on and see what happens over the next hour hmm. apparently it reached uh this album uh beer sq reached position 81 on the japanese Oricon album chart i think that's impressive i mean i assume it is i'm just gonna say yes yes it did mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so uh, you've got two picks here I'll let you introduce your first one, and uh, yeah, if you can just tell us why why you think this was the way to go. Why why does it exemplify this album for you? Well, because it's Final Fantasy VI. Um, but more than that, it's a, it's a really good medley of things. It's it's called Spinach Rag and Character Medley, so it's both. Spinach Rag is, you know, the, the base of the song, I guess. It kind of bookends the song, but the middle of the of it is just a combination of 
several different character themes from the game, and since Final Fantasy VI has a fairly big cast, there's a lot to draw from.
It's only, it's only a slightly tricky one just because there's so many different medleys in the song, even if spinach rag does kind of go and tie them all together. Which is something I thought I'd never say about spinach rag. And it does it great. That's true. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting thing that they were able to blend all of that, but I don't know. I don't think I could pick a single character medley I like the most, even though it might be Tara. But I can. I can too. Oh, can you? <laughs> Who's we'll your favorite one? Okay, well, let's hear uh, okay. it. Well, first of all, I mean, I said this to you as much uh, when I first listened to the songs, and I was just like, this whole song, the whole piece is just like a romp. Like, it is just... You just go into it and you're going. And there's a few nice, like, downplays where they hit that gramophone and it kind of sombers it up for a moment for, like, the necessary characters, like Terra's theme. And I think that's beautiful. And Sailor's theme. But, um, yeah, I love um, Setzer's theme, the way they've done it for this one. And I've never been, like, a huge fan of Setzer's theme in general. Like, there's there's just music I like better out of all the character medleys or um, motifs. But just... The way, like, the song is kind of going at this point, then Setzer's theme just comes in and goes like, uh, this is my jam now, like, I own this place. Because the whole song is, like, this big band kind of fair, like, the thematically, and it feels like we're just, like, on the blackjack with people dancing and twirling around the dance floor with Casino in the background, and there's just this big band with Conductor going nuts at the front, just with the whole theming of it. But yeah, just the way Setzer's theme just kind of hits with the whole band just beautifully going, and then you get that nice, like, descending scale with the big beefy brass at around, like, 346 or whatever in the song, and it just, oh, I love it. It gives me goosebumps, and I just, I'm here for just those, like, big, like, bwomp, bwomp, like, oh, so good. And that it's really right fits Setzer in general, especially the way he... It really does. ...literally falls into the opera, so I think that was a probably intentional choice. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, again, every other one has a great take on it. That's the thing I think I really like about this is there's a few different takes on the themes overall that really gives you a different angle on how the character is portrayed from the original instrumentation and arrangement of the music. Yeah. And I mean, six. for Setzer's thing, like I'm listening to this, this is the kind of thing I can imagine. I don't know. Setzer hiring this band to play on the blackjack for a party. Okay. I like that idea. And then there's these little like deviants, which I love too, where it gets a little electronic, um, but it's not, so far removed from the piece as a whole like they did a great job of blending just those little bits of like instrument distortion and stuff like that like science theme has this really weird little like uh thing that breaks up the monotony of like the whole big band kind of foray with its weird little like warping and distortion of the music and like with the marimba and i think that's really neat but it doesn't go completely off the beaten path and then you get back on it pretty quick once you go into that little gramophone thing again with sales um sorry sales 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 is it uh, and yeah, Celis's theme. And then, yeah, and then you're back on track with Locke's theme. That was one of the cool things along. I really liked about the uh, this particular uh, arrangement, is not unlike the songs themselves, they sort of gave each arrangement of each song its own type of character, which actually in a lot of ways suited the character itself. Uh, I thought that was really an intelligent way to mix them together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it harkens back a little bit to the ending of the game, too. Yeah. Absolutely. Minus spinach rag. Spinach rag wouldn't really fit while they're escaping Kefka's Tower. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's um, but the style of spinach rag is perfect for again, like Mike said, bookending this piece and making it all feel like one big band jazzy kind of foray. Like that song leans right into that yeah. really nicely. Um, and the other thing I was going to say, yeah, with the different angles of the character themes, 
I like how they did the take on Realms theme as well. Mm. It made it, it gave us this weird sort of like lazy brass that gives it this kind of like languid summer night starry like over by like a lagoon or whatever kind of romance thing that's really interesting. Um, it's very like wistful. And I love how they chase it with Shadow's theme. Which I, it's rare that you hear Shadow's theme just like, just on straight piano outside of like a straight piano album. It's almost always got some other instrument to it. So it was really nice just seeing how clear it was. And it, it really brought the, the supposed connection that we never really see explored in six, but it's there, that connection possibly between them. The unspoken. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I like how they did that. And then you got Stragos theme that comes and was like, okay, break this up. <laughs> We're not going to look too deep into this. All right. You crazy kids. Right? Yep. You're not a dad. Get out of here. <laughs> I am. Or right. whatever. I, I like the narrative I'm... you're applying to that section, even though I also agree with it. Well, yeah, that's the thing with like I love about music and I've always loved about even just when you had Rhythm Encounter going is the journeys you can go on mentally despite how it goes on screen or whatever. Like I mean, when I reviewed um the soundtrack for Breath of the Wild, for example, I hadn't played Breath of the Wild, but like my mind was taken on such clear journeys by just the artistry of how the music was composed that it almost matched up with exactly where it was playing in the game once I did play the game. So it's it's just, you know, hats off to the composers for perfectly capturing these moments. And it just, yeah, you, you can't help but feel like there's a narrative creator. That's what I just love about listening to instrumentation, instrumental music pieces and orchestral pieces, just the journey you can go on in your mind's eye. Uh, love it. Very much so. Well said. Um, my favorite moment in the song, I mean, it might be a little bit obvious, is when uh, Celis' theme comes in on the like the honky-tonk piano slightly out of tune that's been sitting in the corner of the bar for like 20 <laughs> yeah. years without being tuned properly. Um, I thought that was a really nice thing because generally the song, generally Celis' theme, the, you know, the opera is, um, is usually done in a very high class way. It is, well, it's opera. So it's always done with like a, you know, a soprano really just singing those high notes and they just took it and switched it around. And now it's just like a, well, a a bar room kind of song that's playing in the corner that some patron got way too drunk and started plunking out on the piano. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely about the, the yeah the, it's like this is lock sadly over there we're like i can't choose <laughs> <laughs> it's a really smart arrangement and it's definitely endemic of the entire theme of the album yeah sorry i don't really even know what else to say because i'm getting so <laughs> lost in the stories you guys are writing here. <laughs> totally original character do not steal <laughs> um, <laughs> just call him lock sorry. e it's fine <laughs> okay so like i did when i was a kid i did too Yep. I'd love Lockie almost as much as I liked Phoebe from Mystic Quest. <laughs> I used, I really like using Moog. Anybody else? No, I didn't ever do that one. I like that though. <laughs> Moog. I have no idea. I picture, I, I'm picturing Worf's father when I hear that. Oh yeah. Son of Moog. <laughs> Man, that's a whole different conversation. But the amount of times like you're listening to podcasts, like for me, I was listening to Random again back in the day and listening to people pronounce oh. things in my mind wrong. Like, it really wasn't until, like, Final Fantasy X, really, that we finally started hearing characters and concepts, like, voiced really fully. And we're like, oh, that's how that's mm-hmm. said. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's an ironic choice, given how people pronounce the protagonist's name. But Titus. I ref- Titus. No. Nope. Titus. I'm sorry. I'm sticking with Titus, okay? Titus makes he likes the most water. Titus. He's standing in water on the cover. Right? I buy that. But then you had another song that you chose from a very different game, which I think was the one that Jono was referring to as, this doesn't fit with all these other ones that Jono likes. 
that comes from Sega Frontier 2. But yeah, what did you grab? Yeah, so I picked Roman and Vorspiel, I guess. I'm kind of reading it as a name. <laughs> We're going to try and say Roman and Vorspiel. Vorspiel. I'm going to assume since it looks like it's Germanist. Roman and Vorspiel. Vorspiel. I'm not sure if that's how it's meant to be pronounced since I didn't play Soccer Frontier 2, but I do like the song since it shows up a lot, I, several times on different Square albums. So even though I haven't played it, I know this character medley or characters medley. Yeah, same. I'm not as familiar with the music from it either. Nope, me neither. Well, then we should probably get familiar with it and listen to the song.
I wish I had more context for the game. I really don't. But I I always like this song and its arrangements. But it's the the strings on this one really really get to me. And I know there's a style of music that this is. There's parts of it that kind of feel like I don't know. It's a folk dance something. I know, I'm sure there's some kind of word for it, but I can't think of what it, it is. It is very folks like folky hoedown kind of thing at certain spots. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. So I actually kind of forgot until I. Well, looked right now that this is also a long song. I don't know why I brought so many long songs on here. Eh, it doesn't go quite as, quite as many places as the last one, but no, it only kind of goes on two very distinct journeys. I found. Yeah, but one of the things I think I like most, but like I don't have any familiarity with the original either, aside from like hearing the songs occasionally, but certainly not in games. So it's not unlike uh, Greg with Breath of the Wild, where you know you hear the song and you close your eyes, and that takes you on the journey that your your brain goes on. Um, I, I kind of liked how they merged the songs. Like, if I didn't know it was two different songs, I would have thought it was two different movements of the same song. Yeah, same. But I can see where it happens. Because, like, when I originally listened to it, I didn't consider that. For some reason, I just saw it. Like, the the whole piece was the two of them. Like, it was, like, a theme for the two of them. Like, you know, Final Fantasy IV kind of thing. Like, theme of love. Like, it was just their theme, like, of the two characters together. Not two different character themes merged together. You know what I mean? Yeah, but... I think the way it's arranged and put together, it does sound like that. Mm-hmm. You can just see, like, oh, this is this is the theme of these two characters. So, and the vibe I get from it, especially with whatever, presumably they're starting with Roman's theme, like it's very warm and welcoming, and like I just feel like they're the the piece is setting up us to like see this beautiful friendship or something between the two of them unfold. It just feels like we're just watching these two or two young guys growing up together as bros and going out on an adventure together and um and just yeah i'm a sucker for these like folksy pieces um and we have another one coming up later that isn't as tight as this one so to speak because one thing i was because uh, i had listened to this one after jano's selections and one thing i can remark even though this is very folky it's still very structured like everything hits its tempo it's not very free formy the instrumentation even though they're all very folksy instruments which i am here for you give me a banjo and a fiddle and i am down not country, but like folk, and I, I think like all that is it just brings that theme to life, that genre rather to life. But it's still very a very structured song. Like it hits its movements and everything until it gets that shift in at around like the two minute mark, and then it go into that like whole really different driving. It almost sounds like a battle piece or something. I, I I like that part, and I really do. Not to jump ahead to the end, but I do like the way the song like winds down and closes out. So the last like minute, minute and a half. Yeah, it resolves back to that. Yeah, kind of warm place after they've gone through strife or adventure or whatever or whatever Vorspiel's deal is. That was one of the things I actually really liked about this song was how it played with dynamics. Um, and like I agree with you about the end, how it's you know it's it's going and it really really picks up in the middle, and then there's just a decelerando at the end that slows it down. And then they pick it up again, and it keeps going. It was—it's just a really nice moment that pulls you back into uh, the almost the feeling that you had at the beginning, and then it picks up again a little bit. Yeah, and uh, and like at the end too, I also like how they introduced the new. I mean, they had the sleigh bells, and there's like that little like reed kind of percussiony instrument that's been in there because it makes the whole thing feel like you're just sitting on like a riverbank kind of little town or village or something. But like, I like that they—I put a note that was like, I like that they use sleigh bells but didn't manage to not make the song sound like Christmas. Cause that almost always happens. It either sounds like winter or Christmas. 
but it just kind of adds this sort of like fairy, fey, ethereal magic to the song at the end. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Um, it's funny you mentioned that, though, because I think the first time I heard this song actually was on one of Square Enix's Christmas albums, which, <laughs> interestingly enough, came out a year after this album in 2013. But, yes, the, if, you, if you're interested, I'm sure there are sleigh bells in it. There is an arrangement of the same one, these two characters, um, on that album. So it's... Xmas, but with more Christmas. X, X apostrophe mus. Um, Xmas collections too. I'm looking at no. it now. I I had no idea this existed. Oh yeah, I they. I don't even know how many there are now because I lost track. Well, I know sequel. there was at least yeah. There was one and two, and then there was also one that was just bravely default, which is also great. Um, oh yeah, I do remember that one, but I don't think I heard the other two advertised. Yeah, not that we hear advertisements, but I mean, saw it launch or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, and speaking to what you were both saying about how it winds down and ends, there's just that little, that there's a final note that it hangs on just so nicely. Um, I want to say it's, I, I can't, I couldn't quite catch if it was either them dragging on the fiddle with the bow or if it was a pluck that was just held, but they, it just holds just so nicely and just, uh, just like, it's just a, this warm little finish for it all that just lets you. Like, you're just sitting there hanging on it, just waiting for it to end. And you know it's going to, but, like... And it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's weird. Like, I just love that final note this song hits to just totally let it finish completely. It's great. Yep, yep. Agreed. Is the whole album... Like, we were talking about the album a little bit earlier, and like, but is the whole album very much like this? It's just... It, it You know, structured, but kind of loose and a little bit folky and that kind of thing? It's... Uh, yes and no. There's folky, there's big band. Hmm. Which is all the kind of things you hear at a, not a party, so to speak, but like an event. Now, the live portion of it, does it get a little looser since it's a live performance? Um, like, is it, like, do you hear like the, the more structured studio version on the album, but then also with the live version, it's a bit different? Maybe? I don't know. I, I, I get, well, I mean, I didn't look or listen to it with like that specific ear in mind, so I, I'd have to listen again to actually answer that. Properly. Yeah, no worries. I was just curious. Uh, it, it all depends how many times you've listened to it, right? So, I am not worried. Um, oh yeah, and I can't, um, I can't do Neil dirty without mentioning um, in the, the the middle portion with the Vorspiel thing where it feels like a battle. That bass line is a really great bass line that just really like raises the tension and drives that whole the drama of whatever that piece is. By the way, I love yeah, it. yeah. I'm sure he'll be yeah, happy yeah. that you pointed out the bass. Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, it's it's really neat. Like even this, this whole song, like again, I listened to a very specific piece on Jono's first, where the, all the instruments are kind of playing a folky thing together, but because it's a live performance, there's a lot more looseness to it, and there's a little bit of interpretation going on with everything. Whereas again, like this one was very structured, but it also meant still most every instrument had its time to shine, and it's really neat to hear that picked out these little places where this gets emphasized and that gets emphasized, and and what that brings to the piece. Yeah. I, f I forgot how much, along with instrumentation, there's a lot of, like, blending of chip tunes and other stuff, too. So the second disc really goes and just pretty much does whatever they felt like doing in a moment, I guess. Mm. Which is interesting. Like, it's hard to know what you're going to get into, because the first disc is more or less cohesive, even though the Final Fantasy Prelude is also kind of separate from this big band folksy stuff. Um, and then those live songs are just who knows what you're getting but it's fun it's it's a really good listen yeah. it's still going to be good music i found the same thing with cafe sq as well like 
overall they had a general theme of like cafe kind of music you would hear in the background at your local Starbucks or whatever your great local coffee shop is. A little bit of jazziness or um, just that kind of atmosphere or whatever. But then I'm, I always found there was like one or two on the album that I'm like, eh, that doesn't quite fit. I can see where it could in another certain kind of cafe, but you've established this other more chill thing. So, yeah. And I want to say spinach rags on that one as well, actually. They hmm. they do like spinach rag. Yeah, I guess I should pick that one up because I've known it's about really it for good. a long time, but I've never heard it. It's very good. I had a friend bring it back for me from Japan, so I was very pleased. Oh, very nice. Uh, but yeah, well, we've been hinting at Jono's music, so I guess we can move along to talk about his. But Mike, thank you for sharing those. I'd, I'm glad I'm aware of this album now, and I now want to listen to the whole thing. So thank you for that. Yeah, sure. Now we're going to go to a really obscure RPG that no one's heard of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? It's uh, pretty much at the same level as Sega Frontier 2. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, not far off, actually. <laughs> actually, yeah. <laughs> That's true in, uh, in how it works out. That's right. Um, well, Jono uh, has delved into something that folks may have seen. We covered uh, – Patrick Dan did a review of the, the concert – and we also did a video review of the concert. You can check out on our YouTube channel of the Brick Boost and Beyond live concert, which we got the first, like the, the Brick and Boost album, which was a really cool arrangement album, came out in 2019. So like a year on the heels of when Octopath Traveler came out. So it's Octopath Traveler arrangements, Brick and Boost, which plays on the Brick and Boost mechanic in the game. Uh, and I think, Mike, you were saying like we got a whole bunch of albums and then we got this Brick Boost and Beyond live concert in 2019. But it's like... Between 2018 and 2019, you said there was four different arranged albums that they pumped out? There's been a lot. There's, six, there's the 16-bit yeah. album, the actual cast album, or the cast album, the original yeah. soundtrack. And then there's Break and Boost, and then Break and Boost Extend, which added like a little extra or something. Yeah. And uh, and then, yeah, then we got this whole amazing Blu-ray experience, uh, which was from a live concert. And although the Blu-ray doesn't give um, subtitles or anything, there's still lots of extra features. You can see some stuff behind the scenes. Um, Nishiki himself comes out to discuss this stuff in between the numbers and stuff. Anyways, the whole concert is lovely looking. If you can pick up the Blu-ray, it's great. Check out our review if you want to see if that's the kind of thing for you to ship in for yourself. So we also have some clips of the concert on there, too. Yeah, exactly. So you can see how it was covered. And it's it's, it's a good, it's a cool-looking concert. Yeah. It was really, really neat. And uh, Jono picked two pretty rad numbers from that. So uh, I'll let Jono introduce his tracks and whatever order he wants to go with. Yeah, so uh, this uh, this album, I guess it's a concert, but it's a, it's an album, uh, is also another uh, Patrick Gann uh, original, I guess. He's he's delivered a lot of really great music to all of us uh, recently, and I picked this up from him. The entire This entire episode is just brought to you by Patrick. <laughs> Probably reviewed all of these. Yep. Um, so yeah, the concert's really, really cool. Um, it's very similar to all... Uh, uh, VGM kind of style concerts in uh, in Japan where there's the band and then there's a giant screen and on the screen is play- is gameplay from the game itself. So Octopath Traveler is playing on the on the screen as they're as they are playing the themes. Um, Which be aware if you haven't played it, there are some spoilers. There are some that you could come across in there. True, but it's also in Japanese, so you're just getting visual well, yeah, spoilers. That's fair, but yes, exactly. Either way, it's something worth bearing in mind. Yeah, and it was it was a little frustrating because I, I think Patrick actually mentioned this in review how there are like sections uh, where Nishiki is talking uh, is talking to the audience and I have no idea what he's talking about and I really wish I did because there are no English subtitles. This is a Japanese only release. Um, it's worth importing if you like Octopath Traveler because uh, Break and Boost is a great 
album. It's really, really, really good. Um, but this takes it to a completely other level. And it's not just because it's live. There's a certain, um, I guess, looseness and improvisation that's going on uh, with this that really, really pushes these arrangements over the top. So yeah, I'll set them up. So yeah, the central conceit of the album is there is break and there's boost, just like in the game. I think break is... I'm trying to remember. I think break is uh, is like a classical style, like violins and just more just more traditional uh, instrumentation. And then boost, I believe, is hardcore rock, bordering metal sometimes. Um, and these two styles go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth uh, throughout the entire concert. So I'm picking two here. One is uh, for treasure, decisive battle, tool boost version. And it is, so it's the rock version. Ah, I was right. Uh, it's the rock version of uh, Decisive Battle 2. And uh, it's it's a really, really cool uh, interpretation of this. I also love how it starts. Um, it feels almost like you're playing the game and how the game brilliantly uh, transitions into battle music from whatever music is playing uh, when you enter the battle. It's one of the coolest things about Octopath Traveler. And this almost replicates it. And the the bum 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 it comes out of nowhere and it's it's really really cool I love it um, and then there is uh, settlement in the red bluffs which is a string trio and acoustic guitar um, and this is definitely break um, and you'll you'll hear it and uh, I have a lot of thoughts about this one but yeah let's listen to the let's listen to the tunes uh, yes enjoy these uh, decisive battle is probably the, the the only break you'll get from the folkiness but uh, it's a good one and it's a boost.
again, this is another soundtrack I had actually reviewed uh, with no context. I hadn't played the game, still haven't yet. And uh, it's, you know, take my gamer card, whatever. Uh, I really want to play it. It's just been... Mike keeps putting me to work, and now John is my boss in review, so they keep putting me to work, and then podcasts. And, and we videos. already, we unfortunately already have enough Octopath Traveler reviews, so. Mm. Well, exactly. It's just, don't have time to play games that aren't games I need to play on time. <laughs> well, to be <laughs> fair, yeah, you, um, you sign up for like four reviews at a time, okay? I'm not making you do that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, he always delivers. <laughs> I'm here to help. And if he doesn't, I'll fire him. It's fine. Okay, it's that's true. fair. And then John stopped being Greg's co-host. <laughs> <laughs> I kid. I would never leverage that over you. No, and I would never leverage, you know, the reviews over you. Because we have a healthy work environment. When you said he stopped being the co-host, I thought that was because he got rid of you and just became the host. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that the kind of power The firing was yet. much more complete. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone mad with power. No, um, that's one thing I could definitely say about RPG Fan is we have a very healthy team of people like no one's jockeying to outdo anybody else it's wonderful very true but uh what also was an issue is listening to these great tracks yeah exactly jano uh kick us off with some discussion about um for treasure decisive tilde decisive battle two a boost version this is going to be really really hard for people to find i'm afraid uh you'll you'll be hearing it you know on this recording but it's it's i you know i couldn't find any of the songs anywhere online but you can hear uh, you can hear break and boost the album. You can find it on like Apple Music, that kind of thing. So you can find these songs, and uh, on the album they do decisive battle to boost version, and they do decisive battle to break version. So you get to hear a more traditional uh, version of the song, which you know kind of would does, it sounds a little bit like it would be in the game, although it's certainly a lot more complex. And then you, it's a very close arrangement, yeah. yeah. And then you hear this, which just blows the roof off the place, uh, speeds up the tempo a little bit. Um, and uh, it's the kind of thing that you just your heart gets pumping when you play it. It's it's one of the best battle themes I've uh, ever heard. Like I had mixed opinions about Octopath Traveler. I reviewed it. It's it's I like it more than a saga game, but it's a little bit like a saga game in the sense that each character has their own story and there's very little crossover between them. Actually, I don't think there's any crossover between them until the very end. But one thing that I adored about the entire game was the soundtrack. I think it's some of the best music. Some of the smartest music uh, in an RPG for quite some time. Uh, it reminds you of Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger and like the goal, like the SNES Golden Age of RPGs. It reminds you of those songs, evoking the feelings, but with a more modern approach to it, where the songs are certainly more complex uh, than the uh, the tunes that were back in 1995, 1996. Um, yeah, so I, I really like it. What do you guys think? I mean, my first note was like. The songs just comes like, bam, kicking the door. Hey, let's fight. Yep. <laughs> and just like smashes in there. I like how it punch, it kicks down the door and then it like punches you in the face with the dun 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 in that bit. Oh, that's great. Well, the drummer does a great job of just, again, carrying the rhythm and the tempo and just, just the right crashes in there of things coming in. And uh, you get like that solo violin just brings a nice through line through it all that really does stay a little closer to the original piece but that lead electric guitar that like noodles around gives a little bits of soloing that's what really kind of breaks this piece up from the original arrangement Mm -hmm. yeah i hadn't heard this yet um i've 
read Pat's review and I've seen bits of it here and there, but I didn't really sit down and listen to this particular version of Decisive Battle, and it's so good. I think I think Jono hit it right on the head there. It's like it somehow, I don't know, it's the music and the game itself both do, I think, what you said. They somehow evoke the 16-bit era, but in a new way, and I don't know. I don't know how they pulled that off. Both, I think visually I kind of get it. It's like, okay, there's a visual style and you do these sprites and you put it in 3D world and it's a cool, you know, new old thing. But how he pulled this off with the music as well to give you that sense, but it's still completely new and could not actually have been done back then. I don't know. It's, it's great. No, I agree. It's 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 a real magic trick because everyone pays attention to the graphics, which, you know, the graphics are like, what is it? Uh, uh, HD 2D, was it? Yeah. I think that was the moniker. Yeah, yeah it's uh, like how like it's pixel graphics, but it has depth. And, and I feel like the music is very similar to that. Like the graphics of Octopath Traveler are to Final Fantasy VI, what the music of Octopath Traveler is to Final Fantasy VI. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. This was like just a great breakout album comp- composition. The whole thing for Nishiki is just a wonderful piece of work. And it's clear... I mean, when I again, when I was doing the review, I picked up pieces of interviews and stuff, and a lot of his obvious inspiration came from like Final Fantasy VI and Umatsu's work and such before him. And yeah, like they get just that perfect marriage of. I think what the thing that the magic trick is is he doesn't have to stick to the tighter loops. That's like the big difference. Mm-hmm. So while it still has that nostalgic feel of that traditional Final Fantasy Square RPG, the the pieces themselves get more room to breathe and play out their themes and their motifs. And then there's that whole thing of having the Octopath characters, the eight of them, each having their own motifs that get worked into bigger, broader themes that he plays around with just is awesome. Yeah. And and then, yeah, and then his, all the battle themes are great, which is like, they all feel like they should be like, like even the most mundane of the ba- the battle themes just feels like it should be like a, a mid boss in like any other game. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a it's a real great track to get into a battle with. Up until now, the only thing that could rival it was um Mystic Quest. <laughs> well, nothing rivals Mystic Quest. Well, just those battle themes like it's like it just comes in face melting. <laughs> it's so like random for that game, but such a good theme, but it doesn't feel like just a mundane everyday battle against slimes and whatever those weird elven goblin things were with their toques yeah um, it's just such a yeah and this is the same kind of thing so decisive battle 2 which there's decisive battle and decisive battle 2 those are the actual boss battles and then i think there's like battle 1 2 and 3 uh I th- and then of course there's the big huge epic like final boss pieces as well yeah they, that's on this album as well and it's 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 ridiculous it's simply ridiculous mm-hmm. um yeah but still, yeah. So Decisive Battle 2, I think, is more... Again, I haven't played it, but, like, these... Does this play, like, again, is it more of a mid-boss theme, or are these... I think, no, it's... This is... Boss bosses? Uh, I guess how, I guess it depends on how you uh, interpret mid-boss. Um, yeah, mostly yeah. mostly mid-bosses. A lot of character stuff, but then again, like, I know that uh, one of the last bosses plays with it. Anyway, yeah, there's, there's a oh, lot cool. of different themes for battles in this particular game. Um, but I think one of the things I really love about uh, Octopath is how... Uh, many different genres it like crosses like uh settlement in the red bluffs i have to admit the the actual version of the song is fine it is not a, it's not a tune that really caught my ear when i was playing the game it's it's a nice you know it's a nice theme that takes place and it, it evokes the environment but it didn't really catch me now this catches me it's possibly the mix of instruments now i'm gonna i know that 
I know that Patrick said like hoedown and uh, that kind of thing. And I, I take it a little bit more. I mean, I'm from Nova Scotia. So when I hear it, I take it to the East Coast. Um, Newfoundland. Oh, totally. Newfoundland, actually. It, it sounds like a friggin' kitchen party. For those of you who don't know uh, Newfoundland slang or East Coast Nova Scotia Maritimes, a kitchen party, well, it, it used to take like a about a hundred years ago, more than a hundred years ago, uh, the kitchen used to be the warmest place in the house. So that's where they used to have the parties. Um, and a kitchen party, there would be just you know, a bunch of people with a couple with a couple of fiddles and a couple of guitars and things like that would start would go in and they just start playing some music and they would provide the music. And this is this is a tradition and uh, a very strong tradition in uh, Newfoundland and some other parts of the Maritimes. And the up to the up to the midway point in settlement of Red Bluffs, it's it's very structured and it sounds a lot like it does on on Break and Boost actually, and then they go into the individual solos and it just goes that insane crazy and all of a sudden I'm hearing it and I'm feeling like I'm in Nova Scotia or Newfoundland or like another maritime province again. Um, I know you're speaking especially like when it has that lull and then it ups the tempo is that what you mean where yeah. the soloists are get a bit more independent okay yeah that's what i mean and it really took me off guard um because it it is a big shift <laughs> it's a big shift but it's not just a big shift because i was not expecting it to evoke i mean that's the great thing about music music evokes oh, feelings and yeah. and like you know you hear a song and you, you what's the old thing you hear a love song when you're sitting in a bar and it reminds you of your first love well i was not expecting to get a bit of nova scotia maritimes nostalgia from listening to break boost and beyond live and the second that happened it just i i felt it um and uh that was kind of a interesting special feeling because i'm not going to see nova scotia for a long time in the future especially if the pandemic uh continues so it was it was nice to if not visit home at the very least have a feeling of it well i don't know if i can compete with that that's uh i i had no idea like any of that that that's just fascinating to me and of all the places to find that kind of music it would be here that's that's really cool yeah i mean kitchen parties are uh newfoundlanders there's you know there's the newfoundland they're newfie jokes and generally it's a it's a stereotype that's not tremendously funny they're kind of stupid not, not the newfies are the newfoundlanders are not stupid the jokes are oh, stupid. the joke wow the joke is about newfies being stupid generally yes yeah um the jokes are about Newfoundlanders being stupid and they're immature and they don't really reflect reality. But one thing that is generally believed is Newfoundlanders love to drink. Um, and uh, boy, oh, well, you got Screech. So, yep, Screech, Kiss the Cod. Um, and all of that kind of reminds me of this song. I mean, it's I don't know if it would I don't know if it would belong in like Come From Away, but it's it's that kind of feel for me. And I, it, it's really it's really cool. <laughs> And I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, and kitchen parties are just awesome. <laughs> I've heard of them uh, only in Legend. Uh, I want a kitchen but, party uh, now. Yeah. Right? The RPG fan kitchen party. <laughs> but yeah, no, I totally get what you're you're saying about this. Because um, yeah, like Pat Gann pointed to this as one of his big samples as well. And it's, it is very... You, 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 you hit it right that it is very different from the arrangement version and even the original quote-unquote more mundane version that is in the game itself because like that there's that opening quote-unquote tuning that is really part of like the song but that really you know what you're in for right away with that <clears throat> and that's where this whole piece gets to do its thing and really elevates the 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 theme itself 
with this kind of loose instrumentation of always tuning, always sliding, always playing around. And it really throws you into that, uh, the kitchen party, hoedown, you're in a tavern um, with like a local folk band. And that was, it hit me like that right there is what really brings this piece to life in this live concert. Because the original one, um, this is what I was talking about before, is it's very structured. It's still very folky. It's I mean, it's almost, I want to say tribal folky. It's a little more, the instrumentation makes it feel like it's like a little tribal village or something. Whereas this one, this version makes you feel like you're part of a community where you've got this band, these, these, this quartet playing off the audience just as much as the audience is playing off of them. Like they're just feeding each other the energy to just mess around. And then in that themselves, especially when you get to that um, up-tempo portion, it almost feels like each of the uh, musicians are challenging one another to like to mess to mess around a bit more. Yeah, to one up each other in ways and just play. Exactly. As much as they're supporting each other in the whole piece, they're also yeah, just have that little bit of well, I just did that. What do you got? You know, and like and just that the fiddle just sets the stage for just messing around so much that again that gives that whole impromptu looseness that even like the the guitar soloist brought in decisive battle. And the drummer brought Indecisive Battle too, and then you got now, yeah, this fiddler playing around and um and then the Spanish guitar coming in to kind of start things off it so that the tempo shift, and then you get that raucous hoedown and every instrument gets a chance to shine. Like I love how the cello kind of finishes it out with like a almost like a little bit of like a foreboding tone, but not mm-hmm. really. I don't know, I just love it. I just Love the way they feed off each other. It's that kind of energy on stage that just makes it such a joy to watch. I agree. And I mean, that's the cool thing about uh, this particular concert is that you actually get to see the musicians. um, And the energy that's coming off these four is really quite stunning. And in the concert itself, uh, which again, Pat draws attention to, for this song specifically, there is no gameplay playing behind. Like, the focus is just on this quartet. And it should be. Because even if there was gameplay behind them, I don't think anyone would be watching it. Because um, I think the word you use, looseness, that's cool. I was trying to figure out how to put it, like, laid back, relaxed. And I was like, well, I don't think anyone could particularly call it. impromptu. Work, yeah, yeah. I, I don't really think that uh, relaxed would describe this tune. Um, but there's a... Yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's a drunken looseness. They've, someone's had a few shots while playing. <laughs> exactly. It's just, hey, get out your guitar. Okay, I got my fiddle. Let's play. You know, it's just, it feels like a bunch of people just got together and started playing and fooling around. And I think that's a really... That's a hard thing to replicate on stage, um, certainly in a concert like this. And I, I really do feel that these two particular songs represent uh, the break and the boost dichotomy really, really well. I also think, and I feel like sometimes I make comparisons more than I should when describing something. But the way Greg especially started out and was talking about this, I know there are other songs that prominently feature a fiddle and are popular besides the devil went down to Georgia. <laughs> but but that's a good one. Now that you describe this song like that, that is kind of what I'm picturing here is this like faux competition between um, the different players and how the song gradually, it start. it does start off actually kind of calm and slow, but then it just, it builds and builds and builds and it's really interesting. So again, I know that's not the only song that, you know, he is popular with a fiddle, but now I'm going to have to compare the two in my head because of that. No, so I, yeah, like I it. mean, that's something that's, to... that's something that's true in most from <laughs> it's funny. Musicians tend to be, uh, you know, they work their entire lives to perfect their, uh, their abilities. Um, and they do tend to be quite competitive because obviously jobs, you know, there's, you need to be competitive for jobs, but when you meet someone who is 
uh, as good as you, I guess you could say. There is a level of challenge that you like bring to the party, and you see if you can one up each other. And it's 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 fun. It's like it's like two. Okay, uh, it's like how Majima loves fighting Kiryu. It's just like you want to you want to test your own chops against someone, and that's kind of what this feels like. So it's kind of like you and Greg competing for best host. Well, I don't think there's a I don't think there's a contest there. Do you, Greg? No, Joe Padilla wins. I agree. <laughs> yes, that was the right answer. It's always the right answer, <laughs> right? Um, well, rolling along though with this uh, folky theme uh, that we are now back into, um, which you know again enjoy folk down encounter, and I guess Mike, we need to get you some like some Civil Wars and some Mumford and Sons, so you can hear more than just the devil went down to Georgia. <laughs> I mean, I didn't say it's the only one I <laughs> no, know. I, know. It's the only one that I came just thought it was a good comparison. It was. And yeah, like, and it doesn't also hurt that uh, I think in the concert too they have like red light on them. Yeah, you're right. So see, it has that vibe on it as well. Uh, but yes, folky songs. Uh, I picked folky songs because um, again, another Patrick Anfine was the Celtic Link uh, songs from the Legend of Zelda that Imir Noon, who's a fantastic uh, arranger and a great conductor. I had the absolute joy of seeing her when the first run of, um, like, the 25th anniversary Legend of Zelda concert, the Symphony of the Goddesses, back when that got started. And it came into Vancouver. She was the conductor at that point. And, yeah, she was just a joy to watch. Like, it's the first time, I think, at any concert I've been to with an uh, with an orchestra where I've actually, like, paid a lot of attention to the conductor because she just brought such an energy. She was there with them all. Like it was just, Oh, it was just a pleasure. She like led them with such vim and vigor and was pulling performances out of them just as much as they were egging her on to give them everything she could. It was a joy. And this whole album was kickstarted, um, with her and a whole bunch of, uh, people in like the music arrangement community, like the Triforce quartets on there, for example, which people may have heard of. And, yeah, it's great, and it was a huge success, and got this great little album from it. And uh, I picked uh, two songs uh, from uh, the Nintendo 64 era, by happenstance. Um, so I've got Clock Town from Majora's Mask, which is just, yeah, just a lovely little piece that I'm sure now that I've said it, everyone's got that little ditty playing in their mind. And then uh, the other one that people all love to hate on the owl, but Kippura Gabora's theme is just great and again the spin on both of these is just lovely so we'll give them a listen and uh, we'll talk about it
this whole album, again, is just a great, wonderful folk piece. It definitely ties to Einier's, um Irish roots in a lot of ways. There's like fun little jigs. And it was really hard for me to pick a specific song. Like even the, the album opens with like a Wind Waker one. And Wind Waker is always a good go-to to me for both the music and the whole like seafaring theme just lends itself to this style of music. But um, I loved what they did to Clocktown. Um, because again, just having this like folk vibe to this little pastoral town in the middle of Termina is like a perfect thing, right? And and everyone's going about their business. The the conceit in Majora's Mask is there's three days until things go awry, but at the same time, there's also three days until this big festival that Clocktown's been working on. And this, the whole breadth of the song, it feels like that festival energy is in the air, and people are slowly busying themselves more and more to try and get things together and streamers and everything and um and go about their daily business but then at around like 105 there's like this little like the accordion starts picking up the theme and you start getting a little bit more of that vibe of like the party and festival but there's like this little like low kind of bell toll that you start hearing in the background that brings out like that clock theme of the entire town and the the conceit of the game back into things and i love it because it adds this little bit of low menace because we all we all know we know it's hanging over it and they all know and then as you get later into the song like that little bell toll becomes this low drone and all you can hear when you hear that just like that menacing low note is just this big grinning terrifying moon getting nearer and nearer and nearer their town and uh it's just it's it's beautiful until it breaks and then everyone just kind of goes back to business trying to ignore the danger because the whole game everyone is acknowledging it but at the same time just hoping it'll go away hoping someone will fix it it's ridiculous i mean i think that's human nature i mean that's fair <laughs> it's we're we're getting a bit of a taste of that now for god's sake i mean the way 2020 is going would it really surprise you if you looked out the window and saw majora's mask moon hanging in the sky yeah, accurate <laughs> i'd just be like yeah that's okay good okay fine that this this tracks <laughs> Yeah, somewhere like Trump has to roll back the clock to like three months and tries to figure it out how to do it right. <laughs> oh God, we're we're. F- <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, but anyways, the songs. Uh, yeah, what do you what do you folks think of uh, the, this this take on Clocktown? I think it really lends itself well to this style of music, and the the bell is definitely a, a cool thing to pick up on. I don't think I picked up on that the first time I listened to it, but. It, it does turn the song into more of a story than you might think, you know, of the game and of the weird, just, I don't know, everything about that game is so weird. The tone is just bizarre. You know, I love it for that. And I guess that's the other thing, too, like, uh, with both songs, like, the danger on the 64 is, like, again, like, they're, they're smaller, tighter tracks. So it has to have something to make it interesting and to make the... Uh, to tell that, to add to that story, like you said, it's a perfect way of putting it, Mike. Yeah, that adds a little bit of story to this. Otherwise, it would just be, all right, we just folked up the song with live instruments and threw a little Celtic in there and listened to this on loop for five minutes. Right. No, but like it, it does really take you somewhere mentally. So I think they really succeeded at that. I agree. And one of the things that I was really... Uh really blew me away about this particular track is, I mean, in the game, there are three different versions of Clocktown for each day, like each one ramping up in intensity. And certainly on the third day, there's a, there's a sense of panic to it. And that really, that really uh, impacts the way you play the game too. Cause on the last day, you know, you're running out of time. 
and uh, there's a sense of urgency to it. And I really like how they replicated that feel through the instrumentation. And certainly the, the bell tone at the, at underneath was a really nice uh, way to evoke what's happening on the third day. Um, so I think that they... I, yeah, you just feel that stress. Yeah, I think they took what was in the game already, and I think they put their own spin on it, and they heightened the emotions through the uh, instrumentation. And uh, I think it's a very successful remix. Mm-hmm. It was the... When I listened to this full album a few days ago now, this was the first one that I, like, had to flip back. and like, wait, what is this? <laughs> as soon as, like, that low drone came in, I'm like, oh, this is chilling. This is hitting me somewhere. What song is this? And, like, went back over. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's Clock Town. Oh, okay. Yep, this is my pick. Cool. I'm in. Um, but my other pick with the Kipora Gaboro one, again, very much on brand, very folky, and it lends itself so well again, to the entire arcade. Like, I would love to see both these soundtracks redone with this same arrangement team. It would just be incredible. Um, but, you know, like, who... We all can agree. We all hate Kipora and how he interrupts your gameplay. No. But his theme is quite lovely. I do not agree with that, actually. Oh, really? I don't mind him at all. He's a cool, wise owl. What I mind... I mean, that's and, true. And where... I think where the problem comes in is... The design of that dialogue box that says, do you want me to repeat this? And oh, yes. That's default the trap. to yes. Yep. That's the problem. I don't think people that's hate fair. that owl as much as everyone thinks they do. I think it's they that. They don't hate the... I think it's the fact that you have to listen twice. They hate his dialogue trap. Yeah, they don't... We don't hate the owl in Link's Awakening. And it, basically, the same... They do the same job. I think you're right. Exactly. I think it's the yes and that's no. Fair. Yeah, yep. you're But either way, right. I do associate this particular tune with that yes and no... Uh, with that yes or no yes. question, is one of the reasons that when I hear this, I'm like, ugh. But not this version. <laughs> no, and like this version really, it really hit me with like the the way the the, the stru- song is structured, and and part of that is the way they chose to do the instrumentation because like you you again you get you're not really knowing what's going on with this song if you if you're not looking at the track list because the song very much starts out with all the instruments kind of trying to build together towards finally breaking into the theme and about. 30 seconds in and I think that's neat because I was definitely like what the heck is this and then oh oh I know this but the way they did um with like the the first like the melody it gives it this like folky darker tone to it uh that really makes it intense that first part like the um which uh I really like now that I look back on it because like it's very much like Kippur being like hey kid shut up listen I got stuff to tell you because you need to save the world so, like, it's really, like, pay attention to me. But then, when it switches to the bridge, it's, like, it's a very... And especially, again, with the instrumentation in this take on it, it's very whimsical. And almost, like, that's the part where Link's, like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And just kind of starts to, like, tone out. <laughs> um, and it just starts going, like, oh, right. And it reminds you, like, right, he's still this, like, very... He's a very prattling old sage. There's a lot of what Kapora could have said in, like, far less words. But, and this kind of reminds you of that until you, it goes right back to that melody and brings the attention right back to, right, you need to focus on him. Um, and you get that a lot. Like, again, this, I will admit this track does get a little loopy. I feel like it went one or two verses a bit too much, but they did try and change it up. Like, the, the second time they kind of visit the melody, the rhythm speeds up a little bit, and there's this weird kind of like, I don't know what it is, because it's not really, an instrument, like I feel like it's like a, a sound um, thing they made with using like a rush of voices, but it just sounds like there's like a little like ah, like rush thing that happens with certain parts of it. If you know what I'm talking about, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool and gives it even that much more intensity of like, I got to explain all this to you because you need to go save the world fast. <laughs> but if you say yes, we're doing this again. <laughs> I still got time to, to explain it all again because it's also important that you know what you're doing. Yes, yes. Yeah. This, this arrangement just makes me wish there was, and, and stay with me on this, this is kind of a weird one, but picture the Broadway version of The Lion King, but instead it's Zelda. But then just a sea of owls. So I just imagine a bunch of people dressed up as this owl. This, this <laughs> song, this song kind of makes you want to dance. So I, I'm picturing a bunch of owls dancing to this song. It's a good jig. Well, absolutely. Like, and especially as the tom- tempo really picks up in earnest after the second, once it gets into like the second little whimsical break, and then it almost shifts the thing to like this maypole dance party in this old village with everyone with ribbons and streamers exactly. tied to the central pole and dancing around like a bonfire or around the maypole courting each other and yeah exactly it, it just has this great folk down dance party vibe that's just absolutely wonderful um and it does a really good job of shaking up the monotony especially when you have like that lone guitar that kind of gets that started a bit and then that lone guitar comes back as like the temple just keeps going and going and going everyone's dra- dancing more and more fervently and getting really into it getting a bit more tipsy whatever that is until finally 420 like the guitar comes back and slows things down again because all good parties must kind of come to an end and the temple kind of slows down and yeah it's just it's, it's really neat how the structure finally does get broken up and you you hit the nail on the head with the dance Sorry, guys, I'm still stuck on the idea of Julie Tamor directing a Legend of Zelda musical. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> or they do an entire song with him saying, yeah. Well, no, I think every time he's about to sing, someone else should cut him off. Just to keep up the whole <laughs> silent protagonist thing. Uh, classic. Yes. So we're going to start a Patreon on RPG Fan, and basically we want to fund this idea. I can think of some other things that Patreon could fund. <laughs> besides a, an RPG fan-sponsored Zelda musical. I don't know how we could do better than that, but okay. <laughs> we will try. We will try. As directed by Julie Taymor. Yes. And with Anya Noon as the music director, I'm in. Uh, but yeah, it's just yeah, a great take on this. Um, and yeah, Jono, what was your thoughts on it? My that? thoughts on it, and this this kind of goes for the album, because just these two songs, I'm assuming that the album follows you know many of the same things. Celtic as heck. Celtic as heck, and I think it's a really interesting spin on Legend of Zelda, because The Legend of Zelda has gone through a number of different uh, genres in terms of its music over the years, like the bombastic heroes uh, theme in the first three, and you know the the vaguely ocean going of uh, of Wind Waker, the Wind Waker, and also Phantom Hourglass. Yeah, and Breath of the Wild, and what Breath of the Wild brought to the party. Um, but I, I don't think Celtic has ever been an influence that has. Uh, been used in Zelda, and it works really, really well. Surprisingly well, actually. I was I was blown away by just how effectively the style and the uh, music work together. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I mean, I'm a sucker for it. I definitely grew up with uh, a mom who had, like, a few of those, like, Celtic tunes with whales ambient in the background <laughs> playing in the house. Um or whatever, and yeah. Uh, so, like, I'm definitely a sucker for it. Like, I I, I almost debated uh, grabbing, like, the um, the Celtic Moon Final Fantasy IV album, because I've heard bits of it, but I finally actually, like, listened to the full thing recently as well. Uh, like, I just... Oh, it's so good. It really, really is. And, yeah, just what... They brought that energy to this beautifully. And as someone who has recently, like, binged through pretty much every 
every bit of Outlander except the most recent season, I'm definitely on board for this style of music. So this, yeah, this album just spoke to me and like, you're right, John. Like it really, I don't think we really have heard, um, a Celtic version of Legend of Zelda until this album, which, you know, stands to reason why I'm here is like, this needs to be done. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, they did it wonderfully. Great, great song selections, gents. Thank you. Yeah, you too. This was a lot of yeah, yeah, a lot of fun. Really, real fun Mm -hmm. listening party. And uh, there's definitely more of it to come. Not necessarily on Random Encounter, but on Rhythm Encounter. So we, uh, yeah, we're going to wrap this episode up. But as always, if you have some thoughts or feelings on this music, or um, you just want to send me an email that's all exclamation marks about Rhythm Encounter coming back, you can do so at podcast at rpgfan.com. Uh, for all your comments and complaints and more. We also have uh, our presence on Twitter and Instagram at RPGFan.com. You can find us on Facebook. We're on Twitch, streaming quite regularly. And uh, we have some other podcasts that you may have heard about. We have Retro Encounter. We've got uh, Had and Eric with the Phoenix Edge podcast. And now I can finally say there are new episodes of Rhythm Encounter. So if you liked this and you haven't checked out Rhythm Encounter yet... Go do it. There's more coming out. Get more music in your ears with other fun themes, because I'm sure we'll come up with some silly ones just for the sake of getting some cool music out there for y'all. Very true. And Mike, uh, I really want to thank you for doing this. I mean, RPG Fan, a lot of what RPG Fan was built upon is music, and uh, Rhythm Encounter is a a perfect example of that. And the fact that you've been working so hard to bring it back is uh, kind of an inspiration. It's it's going to be really, really cool to have new episodes to listen to. Really sets us apart from a lot of other sites, for sure. Yeah. Oh. Well, thank you. I mean, it's always been a really important part of the site to me, too. Music in general, but also Rhythm Encounter. So I've been wanting to bring it back for quite a while now, but there was this whole, you know, switching our entire 22 years worth of content to a content management system took a lot of time we're still doing it but at least we're at a point now where i can say look this show needs to come back we've been wanting to bring it back we've had people asking about it for years and i think it's just it's too yeah. important our community is very yeah it. it was just too important to me and several of us and people listening that i wasn't willing to actually let it go even though it's been gone for a while so i'm very happy we have it back. And <laughs> no, no, we're not talking about Frozen. Is that why you're laughing? I was just going to say, I just imagine like her just starting to sing and you're like, no, Elsa. No. Shut up. No. no. I will not. I, thought, I will not. I thought you were about to sing it. I'm assuming you're avoiding Kingdom Hearts 3 at all costs then. Oh, no, I'm okay with Frozen. I'm just, I didn't want Greg to start the song. I don't mind the song. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't Although, think. Although, can we play it in the new Kingdom Hearts game that's coming? The rhythm game? Yes, actually. <laughs> there you go. So now, do we want to put Disney-owned music on our little show? Uh, probably not, because someone, some lawyer will probably have an issue with that. So I don't I think like that'll flag us real quick. I don't think "Let It Go" is going to feature on a few uh, episode of Rhythm Encounter, but you know, lots of other things are fair game. At least not for more than fifteen seconds. That's I'm not true. Sure if that still applies. Okay. To this, well, maybe yes. <laughs> maybe that. Look forward to a future episode featuring fourteen seconds of "Let It Go." <laughs> I'm telling you, just use a sound alike. Just like let it pass. That just just change like six notes. It'll be fine. Are you offering to come on and sing? Oh dear. I mean, let's save that for a future episode. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we've had plenty of practice listening to my uh, ad lib songs here, so no one wants that. 
Um, did you want to plug uh, the Rhythm Encounter email too while we're here? Just because people may or may not be over on the episodes yet. Uh, but yeah, if you have any suggestions for songs or uh, things you want to hear on the, the show, where, where can people reach you, Mike? They can, well, there's two places. If you want to reach me personally, it would be Mike at RPGFN.com. But if you want to talk to me about Rhythm Encounter and you have feedback on the show, if you want to say, hey, I'm glad it came back. You know, let me know if you have topic ideas, even though we've been building up ideas for years now, you know, please. There's a big list in Trello. <laughs> but if you have ideas or things you're interested in, we will consider all of them. So you can email the show at music at rpgfan.com. Uh, and as I've said before, folks, uh, we are coming up on episode 200. If you have any great ideas that you would like to see uh, done for our, you know, 200th episode, which is bananas to me. Uh, we'd love to hear them, but you want, uh, John and I will wear silly hats. Not that you'll see them, it's a podcast, but we'll do it if that's what you want. What makes you think I'm not wearing one right now? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm not wearing pants, so. Well, we, we all <laughs> assumed that. Yes. I'm wearing shorts because they're comfy and, oh shoot, I forgot the quote now. Dang it. There's a quote about shorts? <laughs> trying to drop oh. a Pokemon quote. The, the famous Pokemon line. I like shorts because they're comfy and look good or something i freaking forget someone will correct me um someone is yelling into the ethos in starbucks as they listen to this right now um it's this you idiot and everyone is turning to look at you who's the idiot now i'm kidding you're all wonderful thank you listeners for listening mike jano thank you so much for coming on the episode and mike letting us talk about music as you can tell i like it a lot and we'll do it a lot sounds terrific sounds great uh for all of us thanks for listening and bye now Um, all right. We should just leave those in. <laughs> we should. We should. It'll be the blooper at the very end.